This is The Rational Perspective. I'm Alec Hogg. In this episode, McKinsey's mere culpa on South African state capture. My latest visit to Johannesburg, the fifth this year, was well-timed. It coincided with the first public engagement by Kevin Sneeder. He's the new global managing partner of the world's largest consulting firm, McKinsey & Company, a business that's in the centre of South Africa's state capture scandal. Sneeder, who lives in Hong Kong and has been in office for exactly a week, accepted an invitation from Gibbs, that's a leading South African business school, whose dean, Nicola Klein, hosted the event. The local riposte to a 20-minute speech that the McKinsey boss gave was provided by Bonang Mokhale, chief executive of the 86-member Business Leadership South Africa. Mokhale, who is as eloquent as he is outspoken, was formerly chairman of Shell South Africa. The floor was then open to questions. What followed was fascinating, as McKinsey's new boss did his best to apologize. He offered a mere culpa on the day that his firm physically repaid almost a billion rand in fees that it had received from what was then a Gupta-captured Eskom. The high point for Sneeder was the way that he started. I need to get with one word, and that word is sorry. It's the theme of what I'm going to say, it's the theme of the speech. I really hope it is the message that you do take away, because I am very sorry personally, and on behalf of McKinsey and Company, for the fact that we've had anything to do with any of the issues surrounding state capture. State capture has had a horrible effect on South Africa, its economy, and its people. He then went on to list what he said were three big mistakes that were made by this blue chip of global consulting firms. First, our government's processes failed. Secondly, our commercial approach led to a fee that was too large. Three, we did not admit where we were wrong. And worse, we did not say sorry quickly enough and clearly enough. Potentially even worse, he admitted McKinsey's attitude left a lot to be desired. We came across as arrogant or unaccountable. We were unduly reassured by having terminated our discussions with Trillium. We failed to address legitimate questions. We were not improperly engaged or responsive with Advocate Budlander. We did not know about the letter we had covered. It was not an intention to come across like that, but we did. We have apologised to Advocate Budlander. We apologise again, and I am personally very sorry. We did not fully appreciate the significance of what was happening. We were too focused on ourselves and our legal obligations. To be brutally honest, we were too distant to understand the growing anger in South Africa. This is my third visit. We understand now. So far, so good. At this point, you almost got the feeling that Sneeder had a chance of winning over what was obviously a hostile audience. McKinsey, as you've just heard him say, is sorry. So is he personally. And the firm understands the anger of South Africans. But does it really? After such a promising build-up, it was as though Sneeder started reverting to corporate legalistic type. There was no grand gesture of reparation. 
Instead, the McKinsey chief dropped in something that few in the audience had expected. We've examined all the evidence we could find about our work for ESCOM. Nine million emails, hundreds of thousands of documents, including telephone logs, personal emails, financial records. And we conducted over 80 interviews. The facts are we found no evidence our firm engaged in corrupt activity. Can we repeat this? It is important. We found no evidence that our firm engaged in corrupt activity. In other words, McKinsey is sorry. It'll pay back the money. It's taken disciplinary action against errant staffers, but it's not admitting that anything corrupt actually happened. Well, certainly not yet. Should the Portfolio Committee on Public Enterprises report contain any lessons or actions for us, we will act, and we will act with speed. If the Honourable Judge Zondo asks us before his commission, we will be willing. If he finds fault with any of our people, we will address those faults. We will examine and can only examine the facts we have access to. I encourage anyone here with any new information or evidence to come to us. It will be pursued fully. And if new feelings or findings should come out of any external processes, we will act on them decisively and promptly. If we can find some way to be advised to South Africa, then we do stand ready to assist. We are willing to commit resources on a no-cost basis to the country's priorities, such as job creation, economic growth, and attracting new investment. This situation should never have happened. The fact that it did is a source of enormous regret. With that in mind, let me repeat. We are deeply sorry as a firm, and I am truly sorry as its leader. More than this, we are committed to learning the lessons that will ensure that it does not happen again. Indeed, I hope you will allow us to earn back the trust we have lost, and in doing so, regain our ability to contribute to the future development of South Africa. Thank you for listening. Before he travelled to Johannesburg, Snyder surely knew that this approach was a gamble. But even in his worst scenario, the measured Scotsman would not have expected what was to follow. South Africa, after all, is well known around the world for its warm hospitality. But not this time, not this day. Business leadership's Bonang Mokhale got the ball rolling. Not only did McKinsey steal from one of the 54 African countries, but in a country where there are more people on social security than those that are gainfully employed. 17 million versus 15 million where in 2018 we are still talking about the intersectionality between class, race, and gender. There's more women in this country than men, but companies like yours still pay women 73% of what they pay men for work of equal value where unemployment is 35%, but more than 50% amongst young people. So how, in a country like that, McKenzie could have allowed itself not only to be in the center, but to aid a bad state capture? It's nice to give it names. Because for the last 10 years, 
somebody could say maybe I did not know. So when in France people bribe, steal and cheat, it might be lost in malfeasance. In South Africa, it is what it is, state treasure. So now you return the money to ESCOM. This is the ESCOM that when it was chaired by Dr. Ruel Koza, had a rating agency higher than sovereign. Today, this ESCOM, as a direct result of the actions of McKenzie et al., now has to borrow money, not to service the capital debt, but to pay interest. That the legacy is going to be with us maybe for another 10 years. Five years to fix, another five years just to get to where we were before. So you can see that the ramifications have been deep and wide. It's not just about being sorry. It took Mackenzie inordinately long to get to where you are, but we're happy that eventually you did. The context in South Africa is everything. You are part of a business community that after this 350 years didn't even ask for forgiveness, just took forgiveness. After taking it, you still behave in the manner that you did. So I'm hoping you'll begin to understand not only the frustration, but the bone-deep anger at state capture because it has raped the resources of this country at the time that we needed it the most. Next came some rather interested parties in the audience, starting with David Lewis, head of Corruption Watch, which had played a critical role in uncovering the malfeasance for which McKinsey is now apologising. We've been engaged in this, uh, in this matter from the beginning. The uh, principal whistleblower came to us first, and we, uh, and we took her to the public protector, and we took her to the uh, Bavinder inquiry, and ultimately we've uh, referred McKinsey, as I'm sure you know, to the U.S. Uh, Department of, of Justice. And, uh, and we've done so because we are absolutely convinced that McKinsey were complicit in paying a huge bribe to ESCOM. There's no other way to coat it. You, as far as we're concerned, you're guilty of, of, of offences in terms of the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act and the South African legislation. And you had a bizarre situation where not only were ESCOM bribed, but it was ESCOM money that was used to bribe ESCOM officials. They effectively paid trillion, 600 million rand, a part of which went into the Gupta's offshore accounts, and part of it which went, went into, I don't doubt, the offshore accounts of ESCOM executives. I mean, do we have the ability to prove that last mile? No, we don't. That's why you need the US Department of Justice or institutions with policing powers. But I have absolutely no doubt that all the inferences point in that direction. And frankly, you don't get to say you're sorry and give back the money in situations like this. You know, when you steal large amounts of money, you go to jail and you give back the, the money. David Lewis is deeply respected in South Africa. He's the former head of the country's competitions tribunal. He continued with some questions. But I want to ask, um, I want to ask three questions. The first is that when the split thing first hit the fan, 
uh, you made uh, much play by calling in a reputable law firm to do an independent inquiry, which you paid for. That was the Northern Rose inquiry. As far as I know, you've never released the report. And, and if not, why not? And when is it going to be released? The second is, that, would you share with us what Becca Sagar, I think his surname was, the, the, the partner in South Africa who everybody recognizes was the principal point person in this, in this relationship. What were the conditions of his departure? I mean, the New York Times reports that he left with full benefits. Uh, did he leave with an additional bonus? Is there a non-disclosure agreement in place with, with Sagar? And has he been punished in any way? Or has he actually been rewarded for all his all his rainmaking in effect. And then the third question is, when did the senior global management of McKinsey know about this contract? When did Dominique Barton know about this contract and, 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 and your executive board know about this contract? Because I don't for one minute believe that suddenly out of the blue they came to know that they had a billion rands worth of, they were sending a billion rands worth of advisory time in South Africa. We have found no evidence to support the first part of your statement, none. So I just have to say that to you. Um, I recognise you talked about inferences. I'm not in the world of inferences. You might be, I'm not. We have not found evidence, evidence to support what you say. We have not found it. If we had, we would share it. We have not. So your inferences do not match up with the evidence that two law firms, not one, have been through. Norton Rose Fulbright and Morrison and Forrester. So I cannot engage in a dialogue on that because we simply disagree. Vicar Cigar has not been rewarded, period. Um, I wish I could have a full conversation about the whys and wherefores, but the reality is I can't. But what I will say is this, he has not been rewarded. He did leave before our disciplinary procedure concluded, but he has not been rewarded. Um, he has not been rewarded. When did Dom know... You know, you have to answer Dom. I, I actually can't answer that question. I wish I had some papers and I could sit back and try and figure it out. But inevitably, I would have to say to you that I don't want to make something up on the spot and say this is when somebody knew and this is when somebody didn't. Um, but I can assure you that as soon as we started to pick up issues here, we started to act. We didn't act fast enough. We didn't move clearly enough. We didn't get to this place in a way that I would have liked. And I recognize all of that. But I am not in a place to start putting dates on who knew what when. After Lewis, the McKinsey chief may well have relaxed a little because a softball question followed. But then into the fray came the country's famous forensic investigator, a man whose efforts have seen the firing of not one, but two corrupt South African police chiefs. Paul O'Sullivan, Forensics for Justice. Um, Kevin, I don't, I don't feel good for you because you, you're in a very, very difficult position. I acknowledge that. You've come all the way from Scotland where the weather's rubbish. It's like this. Um, <laughs> yeah. well, it's a beautiful summer's day. I mean, there it's your midsummer. We love it. Winter. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, I've, I've gone through your notes. First of all, I want to record the following. Um, while McKinsey and Trillian and all the Guptas were banking all their billions of rand. Um, myself and others working in my organisation were being kidnapped by corrupt cops, dragged off planes, jailed, tortured, and all this was going on to suppress the investigations that we were engaged in, which 
uh, not just aimed at the Guptas, but at the corrupt police officials that were helping to suppress the opening up of these investigations. If we had to have had a captured criminal justice system, the capture of ESCOM and the capture of Transnet and South African Airways and all the other state entities and government positions would not have been possible. But I, I just want to take issue with a little bit of what you've said. you said the following. First, we acknowledge our mistakes. I don't think there's any doubt about that. You wouldn't be here if you weren't acknowledging your mistakes. But then you say the following. We have examined all the evidence we could find about our work for ESCOM. The facts are, we found no evidence. Our firm engaged in corrupt activity. I have to say that commissioning your own investigation through a law firm, and I'm, you know, the, the law firm in question I have no issue with, but we do know there are plenty of law firms out there that will give you the report that you're looking for. Now, I met with your senior management team in South Africa a couple of months ago, and I asked, Saf, why didn't you open a criminal docket against the people involved at McKinsey for what has gone on? And the answer I got was very bland, and it's probably the reason why I, I wasn't invited to be here today, but I had to get crashed. Is, is that we couldn't find we couldn't find anything that we'd done wrong. And I'm asking you today, why won't you open a criminal docket with the evidence that you do have, or allow somebody else to look at that evidence and open a criminal docket so that the people, not McKinsey, the people involved at McKinsey can be held to account. Thank you. Well, look, uh, first of all, thanks for the question. Thanks for being here. I'm certainly glad you're here, so I'm not sure who's here and who's not here. Um, the honest answer is, at this point in time, we've, we stand by everything that's in that statement. I've looked at the evidence, we've looked at the evidence, we've had two law firms look at the evidence, and we are where we are. We don't believe there's evidence of corruption. In the event that there's new information that people have that says that's wrong, bring it, you know, give me it. I will take that very seriously, but I'm not about to sit here and start saying we're going to do this, we're going to do that, and criminal charges, that's a, a very difficult and complicated subject which I'm not going to go into. But what I will say is, based on the evidence we've got, we have not found evidence of corrupt behaviour of the kind that you seem to think that there is. So McKinsey gambled, and from the mood of 165 people in the Gibbs Auditorium, it lost. To be fair, though, Kevin Sneeder has been trying to make the best of what rugby players call a hospital pass, to his credit, he stepped into a fire that other global firms that have been involved in South African state capture, like KPMG, SAP, Hogan Levels, HSBC and a Chinese locomotive manufacturer, have just not engaged with. They've decided to keep their heads below the parapet. After watching the roasting that McKinsey received today, you have to wonder whether the chief executives of any other multinational have the bottle to follow Smeeda's example, or indeed whether McKinsey itself will continue on its current course of owning up, taking the hits, and sticking around for the long term. Perhaps now that it's paid back the money, the firm will think twice about staying involved in a South Africa that quite obviously is not in a forgiving mood. been the rational perspective. Until the next time, cheerio.